Will you join me in prayer? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was in the eighth grade, my group of friends decided that since we got the entire week of Thanksgiving off of school, that we should of course, see each other over the break. This culminated in what we came to call Turkey Monday. These days it would probably be called Friendsgiving, which is a way more appropriate term, but we were in eighth grade, let us have our silly Turkey Monday name. We would all prepare different Thanksgiving dishes, usually together in one of our mom's kitchens because we did everything together in middle school. And then we would have a fancy Thanksgiving t dinner together on the Monday of our Thanksgiving holiday. This tradition continued with the same group of friends throughout high school. And every time Thanksgiving rolls around as an adult, I think back to those days and how important it was to gather with my closest friends and to prepare food for each other, to get around a table and share what we are thankful for, to celebrate together. Even as middle schoolers, we knew that it was important to be thankful and it was important to be surrounded by those we loved. Today, we wrap up a short, two-week sermon series on gratitude. Haley Bryant brought our sermon last week, and if you weren't here, I invite you to be sure to go back and listen to that message, because Haley did a great job of reminding us how our gratitude today is tied to generations of gratitude from those who came before us, and that we are all where we are today because of the many ways people paved the path before us. As Haley preached last week, I couldn't help but think of all the women who prepared the path for me to be here preaching every morning in this space with you all. And all of the generations who came before me and my spouse, Jake, that gave us the opportunity to grow our family together. We each have a story and a history, and we each have something to be thankful for. This morning, we are going to take a look at how having a heart of gratitude naturally leads to celebration. And to do that, we're going to be in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, the book in its entirety, basically consists of Moses' last words before his death. And these are the last words also before the Israelites are able to enter into the promised land. The Israelites have been traveling and traveling. They are tired. They are probably skeptical that they will ever actually arrive to the promised land. Land. The Israelites have pushed God away and they've drawn near to God. They have regretted leaving Egypt in the first place and they've been fed manna and promised a better life. They've gone through all of the emotions a lot of times. They were out in the wilderness for quite a while. In Deuteronomy, Moses aims to anchor the people in a truth of who they are and whose they are. 
Moses wants the people to remember their histories. He wants them to remember their stories and to remember the many ways that God has provided for them and has brought them this far along in their journey and how God promises to always be with them. In our particular passage for today, Moses is telling the people how they should give thanks to God when they're in the promised land and have their first successful harvest in the new land. Let's read this, Deuteronomy 26, verses 1 through 11. Moses tells the Israelites, once you've entered the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, which we know as the promised land, and you take possession in it and are settled there, take some of the early produce from the fertile ground that you've harvested from the land your God is giving you and put it in a basket. So they're told to have this harvest, gather it all, put it in a basket. Then go to the location the Lord your God selects for his name to reside. Go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, I am declaring right now before the Lord my God that I have indeed arrived in the land the Lord swore to, his ancestors, to our ancestors to give us. The priest, once you are there, will then take the basket from you and place it before the Lord your God's altar. Then you should solemnly state before the Lord your God. So they've done this, right? They are going to have this harvest. They're going to get all of this produce from their first fruits. They're taking it to the temple or where the priest resides. And while they're there, Moses says, you have to say these words. Here are the words. My father was a starving Aramean. He went down to Egypt, living as an immigrant there with few family members. But that's where he became a great nation, mighty and numerous. The Egyptians treated us terribly, oppressing us and forcing hard labor on us. So we cried out for help to the Lord, our ancestors' God. The Lord heard our call. God saw our misery, our trouble, our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, with awesome power and with signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land full of milk and honey. So now I am bringing the early produce of the fertile ground that you, Lord, have given me. All right, it's probably a lot for them to remember, but... Let's imagine that they've got this down, and it's kind of their creed. It's what they say every time they get this first harvest. Moses continues, set the produce before the Lord your God, bowing down before the Lord your God. Then celebrate all the good things the Lord your God has done for you and your family, each one of you along with the Levites and the immigrants who are among you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say Thanks be to God. Moses gives the Israelites this ritual or this liturgy to practice after their first harvest in the promised land. After they have made it through the first season, they're to offer a praise of thanksgiving to God by offering some of the very first fruits of their harvest. This is to be done as an act of thanksgiving in which they remember who they are. They remember their history. They remember the stories of what they've gone through. And they remember how God has provided for them. 
This practice, these words are more than just words. They're intended to center the people, to keep them focused on the fruitfulness of their God. In our household, we try to pray before every meal. We're not perfect at it, but we try really hard. And we pray together as a family, not because we believe it's going to do something magical to the food, especially if I've cooked it, it's not going to just make it taste really good all of a sudden. We pray together because it centers us and it keeps us focused on God's faithfulness. We pray because we want our child to know that living our day-to-day life, doing the same things over and over again, they involve God. It involves acknowledging God's presence and giving thanks for the things that we may typically take for granted, like eating a meal together. As humans, we understand the magnitude of gratitude and how important it is to show our appreciation for others. We are called to gratitude in our everyday lives. Throughout scripture, often times after a big harvest, parties or celebrations are thrown at the very end of all the hard work. They're thrown to recognize all the work people have put in and to celebrate the food that's come through their hard work. In this reading in Deuteronomy, we learn that these celebrations, these big parties, come from the ritual of giving thanks to God. And that over time, this act of thanksgiving has turned to celebration. And that may be my favorite manifestation of gratitude, celebration. When we have celebrations today, often part of the celebration is to express our gratitude for a person or a group of people or a significant event. Just think, at birthday parties, we often celebrate how grateful we are for the person whose birthday it is. At weddings, we celebrate the love of the couple and how thankful we are that they found one another. At retirement parties, we express gratitude for all the hard work the retiree has put in over their career. On holidays, of course, we gather with those we love to remember certain traditions and to give thanks that we're together to celebrate. I love imagining gratitude as an act of celebration. Who doesn't like to celebrate? It makes giving thanks more than just a chore or something that's expected of us. It makes it fun and celebratory and heartfelt. But as we look forward to Thanksgiving this week, I know that oftentimes this season can be difficult for many of us. In some cases, holiday seasons can be far from celebratory. Some of us can't gather with our loved ones. Some of us choose not to gather with family. Some of us struggle with missing someone special. Others of us feel unaccepted or unworthy to gather. Some of us dread the conversations that come about around the table. 
Others of us may struggle with eating or drinking, and these holidays just exasperate those struggles. I know this calling that we're given to gratitude is often much more difficult than it seems. I want to acknowledge that this morning and remind each of you that if the holidays are difficult, you're not alone in that. Whether the holidays are difficult or fabulous for you, how can each of us give of our first fruits? How can we give of those first fruits in order to show thanksgiving and to remind ourselves who we are and whose we are? After the passage we read together in Deuteronomy, Moses goes on to remind the people that once they've said these words, once they've expressed their gratitude and thanksgiving, that their harvest should be able to tend to the needs of the economically marginalized. We're talking about the poor, the widows, the orphans, the immigrants, and the Levites. It is part of the Israelites' tradition that they must feed and provide for those who are unable to do so for themselves, which kind of adds this second fold calling to Moses' message. Not only are they to give thanks and remember who they are and whose they are, but because of who they are and whose they are, they are moved to serve others. This past weekend, volunteers gathered in the north part of our church to assemble Thanksgiving basket with supplies that were donated by many of you. They distributed full Thanksgiving meals, turkeys included, to almost 200 families. Many of you have donated to our ongoing collection of snacks for UTD Wesley's Pantry, where we are demonstrating how much we love and support students in college. Others of you donated during our Veterans Day collection, or you are donating to our duly holiday market. There are so many ways for each of us to serve this holiday season. Those are just ways to serve within our church. We just have to lean in to the calling to serve that's on each of our hearts. When we serve with grateful hearts, often celebration follows. I have been on a number of service-oriented trips with students, and one of my favorite scenes in all of the world is the students and adults coming together to serve and laughing together every step of the way. Because when we have gratitude in our hearts, celebration comes. And we remember how we've gotten this far and who will continue to sustain us along our journeys. Acts of service are just one way we can work on finding gratitude in our own lives. Another way is by surrounding ourselves with people who are life-giving. Not those people we tend to avoid or those who bring us down, but the people who truly challenge and help us become better people. Our youth group, as we speak, is on their way home from their annual fall retreat trip. This is just my husband's grade level. You'll see a couple of students who attend here too. 
They have spent the weekend praying together. They have laughed together. They've played together. And they've broken bread together. They've got a head start on us at preparing their hearts with thanksgiving after such a life-giving retreat. And my prayer for them is that they keep up these celebrations as the week and, ho- and the holidays progress. Because we know as the days go on that drama may ensue, tears may well up, long-buried emotions may resurface, But when we surround ourselves with people who bring goodness to our lives, often we're able to sustain that feeling so that we can fight head on whatever emotions we may meet. When I began my freshman year at college, I was at a university that none of my high school friends attended. I remember in November receiving a text message asking, if we should get together over break for a turkey Monday on a Saturday. My heart skipped a beat as I imagined gathering with my closest friends from home and sharing everything we'd been through the past few months. I was overwhelmed with gratitude. Just thinking about the upcoming events and the memories of Turkey Monday's past, I was grateful to be a part of such a community. That year's version of Turkey Monday reminded me of where I came from. It reminded me of the love and support that I had, love and support that kept me going forward into the future. Much like the Israelites in Deuteronomy, we have a future full of hope ahead. We have had hard days. We have had doubt, we have had loss, and still, God has been by our side through it all. We are called to be God's people out in the world. We are called to serve, to give, to be thankful. As Thanksgiving approaches, May we each ready our hearts for gratitude and celebration. May we surround ourselves with people who breathe love and joy into our lives. And may we continue to look for ways to serve the world around us so that we may be a little bit more like Jesus in our everyday grateful lives. Amen.